And now, coming to you live from atop the Goldenrod City Radio Tower, it's the one, the only, Puckle TCG Cast. Hello, hello, every Puckle peep out there, and welcome, welcome to episode 100 of the TCG cast. I am your old host, Lord Jishiro, coming at you out of nowhere, back here as temporary host for what is our 100 celebration of the TCG cast. But I'm not going to be here doing that alone. Oh, no, 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 no. I have my beautiful, amazing co-host. First, some say that when he started playing the TCG again. It was the dark ages of hypnotosic laser. It's sublime. Hello, hello. You're the old cast uh, host. I'm just old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we all there. For right. sure. Right. Oh, yeah. Whip crack joke there. Uh, and as you heard, the new host with the mo. If we were Doctor Who, uh, he would be the third genera- uh, regeneration of the TCG cast and the current host but also when he started playing you actually had to flip for burn damage before it's basket (laughs) i never had burned i never did burn decks yeah i remember when you had to flip for the damage now you just take the damage and you flip to get it out or did they change that again (laughs) anyway i will leave you now to your rails back to mid basket here as host as we celebrate our tcg cast 100 episode all right guys so, Pokemon TCG, it's why we're all here. We love it. It's the most fun ever in the history of TCGs, <laughs> and I don't care what anybody says. Oh, I'm sure we have like thousands, millions of Magic magic fans all shouting at the same time, like if Alderaan would have exploded. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's, let's start out with a little, bit of, a little bit of history here. So, the TCG cast started recording in 2015. Jashiro, you started it. Why did you want to start it? Well, that started it. But I do admit that it was with a little pestering on my end. So um, that might not remember. But I remember back in, oof, this must have been 2014, where I had just joined Puckle. And uh, it was all the black and white. We were waiting on X and Y to come out. And there was all that excitement. And the TCG, I remember that I was a fan of TCG. And... Puckle was only Puckle. It only what had one show, right? It's the main flagship show every week. And I was telling Thatch, like, Thatch, we should expand. I mean, I've been listening to IGN. And the thing about IGN is not that it's just a big corporation, but they're like a channel. They have multiple. You are an Xbox fan. You go and you talk, you know, you, you go listen to your ex, their Xbox podcast. If you're a PlayStation fan, they have a PlayStation podcast and they just branch out. Pokemon being the franchise as it is, it has so many possibilities. Puckle need shit branch out. And of course, Thatch at the moment was still doing his um, doctorates, right? Or um, he was still at school. So he really, at the beginning, he was kind of like, well, let's see how this goes. Because, you know, he's busy and all that. But once the show started getting uh, a lot more view uh, listens, then he started, he decided, you know, we should branch out. So he came up with the idea. He reached out to me like, hey, let's start a TCG podcast. And I'm like, I'm right there with you. So for the first three or four episodes, that was actually the first host of the TCG cast. And then by the fifth episode, he uh, he turned over the the reins to me to do the host for the, the episodes that we did. And then that's how it was born. Really, it was uh, out of the desire to expand Puckle and through TCG and be able to have more options for our listeners out there that might be Pokemon fans, but might be more TCG fans than they are regular game fans. So, uh, it's basically the, the, the beginning. I mean, and it's only grown since mm-hmm. TCG's bigger than ever. Yep. Despite all the challenges it has had, uh, including the one that we all thought it was going to kill it, which was COVID, but Pokemon managed it somehow. <laughs> Sublime, when did you start recording the TCG with Jashiro? Uh, within the first year, I'm pretty sure, but I couldn't give you an exact date. 
I think you were in already by the second or third episode. Yeah, that's pretty early in. Uh, when we had a more ro- like when we started the rotating cast about who plays TCG, who knows about TCG, who can talk about TCG. Yeah. Who was originally first doing it? It was Sublime, Jashiro. I believe Scrawn was on it. Thatch mm-hmm. would be on it. I would feel bad if I forget somebody. I think it was me and Thatch, just the regular ones, and it. And then Seth, um, Sigma's been on it, of course. Gator, right? Gator, 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 Gator was in heavy Gator. rotation. Yes. yes. Shout out to Gator. Yeah, Gator. Hope you're doing fine. I'm rooting for you. Gator was definitely a big part of the TCG at the beginning as well. For me, I don't remember when I when I got in, like what year or whatever. I think it was like maybe a year, maybe a year and a half after I started playing the TCG. Because mm-hmm. Sublime, we were talking about this earlier. We pretty much got into the TCG around the same time, like when X and Y was starting to come out. Yeah, I was thinking I wanted to like take it more seriously because I had my eye on playing TCG, but um rotation so i was like okay get in right when you think a rotation set is starting and the start of a new generation is always a cutoff point so it's like okay x and y is when i'm like getting into it for real for real (laughs) uh x and y was like my reintroduction to pokemon because i kind of i kind of fell off i think there's probably a lot of people that fell off after like gen 3 and then jumped back in on x and y well, the, the TCG itself went through a lot of changes, just like the show, or, you know, more more like vice versa. And there was a dark time in TCG where it was being handled by Magic the Gathering Wizards of the Coasts. Oh, old school. Old school. Uh, and everyone remembers that, right? That's when it all began. But Pokemon was not happy with how Wizards of the Coast was handling the TCG, because at the time, you know, Magic the Gathering was the biggest card game. Uh, arguably, it still is the biggest card game in the uh, in the game, right? In the name of the game. And they were just basically using Pokemon as a jumping block to get people to magic. So you would go to an event, a uh, Pokemon event hosted by Wizards of the Coast, and it was basically, oh, yeah, yeah, this is the, the Pokemon, but hey, here's magic. And they would try to sell people magic, so they were just using it as a entry drug to get into magic. And Pokemon was not happy with that. So it started a long process of them trying to get the contract out of Wizards of the Coast so they can take reins uh, of the TCG once more. And they did, and that's where at all that big change came in the TCG cast that it felt a lot more, more solid of a game. It had much more, uh, it had a much more complex yet refined way of playing it rather than the most clunky basic versions of the originality of the game. And then once Pokemon take, took over the TCG once more, that's where it exploded once more, and uh, I think that's where literally most people started jumping back on in different degrees throughout the years after that. Yeah. So, yeah, and I mean, a lot of people had that block time where I start. I remember that when I actually started playing Pokemon was when Jungle was out, right? So that's the second set, I, I believe. But I, I dropped off. Like most everyone, and then we picked up again around the same time, which was Black and White and X Wing. So anyway, yeah, that's what uh, that's the dark times of the TCG. I think it's worth noting. You can tell where there was a big shift because it's when it's what's included and expanded, right? Black and White onward is like kind of when like I feel like there was this very big shift in how they were handling it. Yeah, because that's what is in, still included in expanded and there's plenty of like cards made before black and white but they're not an expanded mm-hmm. yeah it does seem like there was a a general tone shift as well for them like during black and white to try and like looking back because i i never played black and white but uh it did seem like there was a big shift in like they wanted to be more hands-on you know mm-hmm. like actively working through like what was working and what wasn't and it seemed like they were paying a lot more attention to the meta itself as well. Yeah, they really did. Um, and I'm forgetting the word to use, but uh, they refined. They refined what the TCG should be because before it was kind of clunky. The evolutions, the limits of the game, one energy. You really didn't have any energy acceleration that much at the beginning, so it's a really slow, steady game. And now it has evolved into this fast-paced more one hit ko <laughs> yeah more normal tcg than than it you should originally started out as all right so 
Sublime. Can you remember any of your favorite episodes? The one where I was hyping Talonflame. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, yep. Also, uh, what were some really, really, like, I don't know. I've always loved just doing set reviews, just talking about cards, you know? Mm-hmm. That's always, always the funnest episodes. Uh, oh, I guess this wasn't necessarily an episode, but an experience that turned into an episode was when we went to um, Nationals and watched uh, TCG matches, uh, like the finale, right? Till Nationals, it was uh, the, was it Zoroark versus Pikachu or something? Uh, uh, Greninja. Greninja. Greninja versus Zoroark, I remember that. I just remember I was Team Zoroark. Yep. Yeah, I was Team Greninja. And uh, that didn't work out for me. <laughs> Great decks. Th- yeah, fun- that was really fun. And that became an episode. So I think probably my favorite experience with the TCG was that year that Audino came out of nowhere <laughs> and won the, yes, uh, um, the Mega Audino. Uh, the World Champions. Right. That was insane. Was, I think it was a national. So it won like a national or, or so, was it Worlds? It was, it worlds. was worlds. I don't oh, know one wow. worlds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. Took everyone by surprise because Japan is always ahead of Oh, uh, I think that was the era when, speaking of bringing it back to today, uh, they had the dual types. And I think there were some dual types that had, like, very low HP that it was able to just, like, knock out. Right. Very safely for taking multiple prizes. I'm trying to think the deck, though, because it was, like, it wasn't Night March. No. Oh, oh, you know what? The thing is, I, it might have done like 50 be- bench damage or something. So it was really strong uh, if Night March was in there. Like, it would have one shot. It would have taken extra prizes against it, it sounds like. Yeah. Because Night March is frail. But Night March at that time would win the... Well, not not necessarily against that deck, but in general, the, the Night March strategy was to beat the opponent in prizes. I loved Night March. Ugh. Night March was so fun. Can we just talk... Speaking of things that used to be different... Mm-hmm. <laughs> DS Seeker and Battle Compressor are wild. That they were out at the same time. That yeah. is in. That's just. That's so wild. Yeah, that <laughs> Battle Compressor was such a powerful card, and people really. Yeah, it was extremely strong. And you know, considering that there were so many Pokemon at that time that were working out of, uh, of course, for those listening that maybe not were. At that time, Battle Compressor was a trainer card, which you could choose three cards from your deck and just and then just throw them away, discard them. So then all of a sudden you get to confirm what's in your prizes because you got to look through your deck. Mm-hmm. You get to like thin your deck and you're putting things directly into your uh, discard where like a lot of effects can be used. Yep. Namely VS Seeker. So it was you would ha- run a ton of ones of your um Supporter lines, right? So favorite supporters, yep. You could run, you could splash a lot of ones of supporters and then just run four VS Seeker and you could use any supporter you ever needed. It was in the discard pile for you to use. Thanks to Battle Compressor. Yep. Yeah. It was very, very strong. <laughs> Extremely strong. And, and it led to, um, to drastic changes in the TCG, not to men- uh, mm-hmm. mention foremost the ban of uh, Lysander's trump card, which was insane how that operated with via seeker. Basically, a Lysander's trump card would let you put your whole discard pile back as your deck. They would just start all over, leaving the, the Lysander, uh, Lysander trump card in the discard pile, right? However, that didn't really work when you had VS Seeker, or, or I, I should say it worked too well when you had VS Seeker, because you could consist, consistently get your deck back. Consistently. So it completely eliminated one uh, winning objective, which was when your opponent runs decking out, out of... Yeah, decking out, running out of cards. With Lysander's trump card and VS Seeker, that was just not possible. The players can continue on forever playing if necessary. Which led to Pokemon taking the uh, the initiative to ban Lysander's trump card because of the combination of Via Seeker and it. It was just crazy times. So uh, I looked it up, and it was uh, it was Night March. So I didn't know it was just doing its random damage. Yeah, because it would do enough to knock out uh, Joltik. That makes sense, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And it just did, it, and it did like a widespread too. It was fantastic. You're talking about the Mega Odino, right? 
Yeah. Yep. No, Megas were bad on the whole, though. Glad that was... You know how they do a different mechanic each year? That was one they really had to, like, salvage. Remember when they added Spirit Links? Yep, Spirit Links. Oh, yeah. Try to salvage, yep. Because, like, for four sets, they're like, why is no one using these Megas? We built the entire, like, theme for the next year around Megas. And I'm like, well, then you should have made them playable. They're such a loss in momentum that they had to be really <laughs> worth the payoff. Right, you would lose a turn. You couldn't attack whenever you evolve into a Mega, which made no sense, number one. Your turn just ended, yeah. Because that's now how the game operates. A game actually gives you the evolution as a freebie. Right? If, if the Pokemon can Mega Evolve and it has the item, immediately as it's out, he will evolve. Or the minion you attack, the you attack. Sorry, you choose to Mega Evolve, he will evolve first. So... The mechanics didn't work that way in the TCG, where it was the opposite. It's like you had to use a turn, and in any turn-based game, you would know that taking turns <laughs> is the name of the game. So you don't want to lose a turn just because you're evolving. So until Spirit Link wasn't really released, it wasn't viable to play Megas. Which also leads me to a point where um, it's a TCG thing that always happens, where whenever they introduce a new mechanic being megas being exs being whatever the the method right it always starts out kind of flow and they eventually get there once they understand how the mechanic should work or it's the best way it should be operating then they add cards to to make it good so at the beginning always new cards are gonna suck and then they are going to eventually fix it up. And that's where Mega started to be good. And that's where all these other versions, um, the VMAX, all of them at the beginning, they always suck. And then they eventually get the hang of it. And then they become basically the feature in the game for that meta. Well, VMAXs, they were just like, they're just like, we're just going to make this easy. Just put this card on top of this card. <laughs> yeah. Evolve it normally, you know? And uh, I think that that was something that they definitely learned from mega evolution deal mm-hmm. that they just didn't want to make that mistake again because yeah it just totally cut the flow of the the entire game yeah what did they do immediately after mega evolutions it was like breaking cards the gold cards the gold cards yeah break yes yep. so you could have tier four evolutions yeah that's <laughs> yeah. where the greninja came up right uh, yeah greninja break my gosh greninja break was what's the what's the card that made break work like that deck lasted for a very long time Mm -hmm. too the only problem is it existed at the same time as zoroark (laughs) i did love zoroark that's true i love trevenant break too though oh i remember trevenant break too is uh uh, was also a really good break uh, deck that was a lot of fun to play what did that what did that one do again uh let me look it up because i couldn't tell you i couldn't tell you today (laughs) off the top of my head was it item lock it was item lock, or was that then, just a Trevenant? There was there was a Trevenant that had item. Yes, lock. and it was at the same time as Trevenant Break. Right. I guess Trevenant Break just gives it more uh, health, and then uh, puts three damage counters on. Oh, on each of your opponents. Yeah, you move the the damage counters is what I did. Is what I remember. So yeah, lot of spread, uh, and then the Trevenants. Because what was interesting about Trevenant Breaks or Breaks rather is instead of replacing all of the attacks. It just added more without removing the attacks or abilities of the previous uh, stage. Or yeah, that's what was distinct about it. Yeah, yeah, and that that's why Greninja Break was like it. Yeah, was so prevalent because it was just like it was like Greninja was already a great deck, and then you just slap the Break card on it, and it's like okay, th- this is even cooler now. Yeah, you didn't even really need it. Much like Mega, like Mega Evolutions when they started, just like Sublime's uh, ha- had mentioned, Break were also kind of like weak, bad for a while. I remember because Delphox is one of my favorite cards and was an early Break, so it's not great, no. which makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> what made Break work was actually first and foremost was when Greninja was released, but it wasn't Greninja that made it good. It was actually uh, Frogadier. Right, the Frogadier lets you spam them. Lets mm-hmm. you spam Frogadiers, and then you can fill your da- your your whole bench with Frogadiers. So for the next uh, turn, you could have the Greninjas down, and then by the third or the fourth turn, you can have your breaks, and that's what made them viable. Because before that, it was just impossible to get to break before you died. Megas were too fast. There was a uh, there was one more break card that we should bring up, Radicate. 
Oh my god, Radicate Break card. I I totally forgot about that. Yeah, so it had that that super break. Yep. Where you just put damage counters on your opponent's Pokemon until its remaining HP is 10. Mm-hmm. So you could literally... And you would do that with Ariados was still in the... Um, right, that could poison you from that... Yeah, the out of poison from, from the bench. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, so you'd hit it with uh, Super Fang and then poison it and bam. Would die next <laughs> turn, yep. Good old times, good old times. More speaking of things I've changed throughout the years. How many types has poison have? In the has changed through. We were talking about that Bo- poor poison. Really, the like redheaded middle stepchild uh, <laughs> because they started way back when the red the redheaded middle stepchild. <laughs> right. I guess maybe they keep changing their hair color because first they were the green headed middle stepchild. Yeah. Right. They were part of grass. Then they moved them to psychic because poison is purple. So they thought that made sense. Right. For whatever reason, because <laughs> I couldn't think of any other reason why. Well, I wish it was grass. That the it, grass would have made more sense than poison, a uh, psychic, right? Because that's what gave you all of these psychics weak to psychic like stuff. Yeah, poison was there, and psychic beats poison. Uh, and then now they're dark. Seventy percent of like all the um, Pokemon that you meet in the video games, like in the first area, are grass poison types. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I mean, I guess the uh, the decision to make them poison, uh, make them psychic at the time was because they were weak against Psychic, and since Psychic is weak against Psychic for whatever reason in the TCG. Because it's weak to ghosts. Ah, and yes, and ghosts is also Psychic. They're right, 100% right. So they had to balance it out that way, I guess. But it really didn't make no sense, and now it's dark. It really felt like they just paired it with them because it was purple. Right. Which, you know, purple's a great (laughs) color, so I get it, but... Right. Yeah, you can't go wrong with purple. And then I I don't I don't fu- I don't fully know how I feel about them uh, being dark type now. Part of me is just like I mean dark type's cool and poison yeah. types are cool, so I'm cool with that. Uh, they're still weak with psychic. What's the weakness now that they're dark? I haven't played since. It's grass sometimes, which is a fun change. Oh, because of bug. Yeah. Right, because bug is part of grass and bug beats dark. Right. Okay, mm-hmm. that's weird. It was, it was a good balance. When they made all the cha- changes uh, in the most recent era of the TCG, they did get rid of Fairy, which I still am like, ugh. Right, we don't have Fairy anymore. That was a nice an- <laughs> attempt of them doing something. It fits well with Psychic conceptually, and I do think that they've been able to better balance weaknesses of the types right. that they do have. Which was a big problem that they had. There were just too many, yeah. Yeah, and I do like... I do like- kind of the expansion of weaknesses. Right. Yeah, it makes all each type better if that you can diversify. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like uh, this has been like an old example, but when uh ice types became weak to steel instead of uh grass or electric. Right. Right. Mhm. Right. So it's like, oh, so now you have wa- like water types can be have like three different weaknesses, which is pretty versatile. And it would balance out in many aspects. Uh, dragon, right? Uh, dragon is still around, I guess. Is it? Do we still get dragon types in the most current metas? I will take your silences as a probably not. <laughs> <laughs> we do, but I mean, yeah, they so- haven't been like on top in so long. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the last the last dragon type that I remember was Rayquaza. <laughs> that was like actually doing well. Yeah, yeah. That, that, I mean, the TCG has never been nice to dragon types. I guess we used to live a time where double dragon energy was a thing, and they, we had no good dragon types. And then once it was out of rotation, then we had good dragon types. Oh, I wanted double dragon energy to work so bad, right? And it's like, why? I wanted it to work so bad, but there was just nothing worth using. And there it was on. nothing. There was no good dragons, and when finally some good dragons started to come out, it was already out of rotation. It wasn't around the same time. It yeah. was kind of weird. I'm like, I don't know what they're doing. Giratina EX. Yep. Chaos Wheel. Oh, yep. That was a dragon. Yes, yes. And that was a deck, but it, I don't think it was at, at the same time, or I didn't use it. It didn't last long. It, it lasted like three months before the double dragon energy got rotated. Yeah. Bummer. Yep. Like those dragon decks that suddenly became viable for for that moment, and we started playing them. And then by the rotation, it's like okay, now they're all dead. 
because they all worked with double dragon energy and that's out of rotation so and in pokemon more like any other tcg the deal of the game is speed the faster you can get to your winning objective the better your chances of winning and if you got delayed in that reaching that point then you lost the game and dragon just couldn't keep up with the speed yeah plus dragons very notably would use and still do multiple energy types which is less than convenient yeah yeah that was always kind of an odd thing for me because it was like i remember someone explaining when i first started playing why dragon types had all those different color combinations Mm -hmm. and at the time it made sense because there was double dragon energy because they're like oh you know they're like they would be too strong or whatever if they didn't have if they didn't have all these different type requirements Mm -hmm. but you can bypass it by using the double dragon energy and i was like okay yeah sure okay whatever i guess that kind of makes sense yeah dragons were good when they first came out actually which was during black and white it was a big deal they added dragons yeah and they were treated as like because black and black and white um dragons were like a very strong type just as pokemon fairies didn't exist yet right Mm -hmm. so they were kind of introducing this new type so look at this new super strong but hard to use type and that dragons are no longer top of the food chain like they used to be, but they kind of remain as like this relic of the past almost of the TCG. They've changed so much, right? But dragons still mm. don't use like still use multiple color types for their energy. Yeah, I believe that their attempts at dragon is to copy what Magic the Gathering did with the multicolor cards. And it's funny because they're both gold. Because <laughs> that's how they, the multicolor cards are in Magic as well. And they are cards that typically in Magic you only have one color per card, but they were these multicolor cards came out where you needed multiple ener- uh, type of lands, uh, mana, or to use, and they would be a little bit more powerful than your regular other cards, but they were, like m- like Sublime said, very difficult to use because you had to use. But also there are attempts of having more multicolored decks in Pokemon as well, because... Going multicolor uh, is not always better than going single color. Again, that comes back to speed. If you depend on only one type of energy and you can make sure that that type of energy is the one available in your deck consistently, you won't find a turn where you're like, need a fire energy, but you came across a water energy and you can't do anything about it. And I guess these dragon cards were modified so in- to encourage people to have multicolored energy decks going on instead of single psychic, single water. Uh, and so forth. And they did help for a while. Garchomp was real good. Exactly. The original Garchomp. Yep. But like everything, once the meta keeps going, keeps going, it just, it takes too fast. Things, yeah, it's, it went too fast yeah. and dragons never really caught up. A couple dragons like make peaks into certain decks. Um, and so, some dragons were strong. Uh, the Rayquaza. Mm-hmm. The Rayquaza era, uh, we could all remember, for instance. Yep. Yep, Roaring Skies. That um that's Oh set god. No. Was no, not that. Game changer. <laughs> shaman. Shaman. Wow, no. shaman, yeah. <laughs> that card was so expensive. <laughs> was it Sky Sky Stadium? The one that let you have like seven. That let you have eight on the bench, yeah. Eight on the bench, yep. Oh uh, yeah. Good old times. Good old times. Yeah, there were some really nice uh, meta shake uh, shaking decks or uh, sets that came out during the X and Y era for sure. Mm-hmm. What was the one that had the uh, versus seeker and the uh, battle compressor? Like battle compressor, psychic terrain. I think that's oh, that. Those all and I think all of those cards came in and all the night march as well. We're all in uh, um, Phantom Forces, I think. Yeah, Phantom, Phantom Forces. Forces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mega Minetric was oh. like the energy acceleration. Same set, yep. Oh yeah, that's right. I totally forgot about Mega Minetric. That was the first set of Megas that I think had Spirit Links too, which is why it was actually good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phantom Phantom Forces definitely was the set that kickstarted X and Y into the meta that it became, and and it really got its stride at that point. Before then, it was kind of clunky. Black and White was still pretty much the name of the game until until Phantom Forces came out and made Megas viable. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and Phantom Forces even had that line of Zubat, Golbat, and Crobat that would... Oh, yeah, the damage-dealing ones, the counters. Yeah. 
Yeah. A very fun mechanic that keeps coming back. We love to see it. Yeah. It's fun to see how they reinterpret uh, reinterpret old things with new colors and, you know, try to change them, keep them up to date over time. Uh, like, oh my gosh, Dark Patch is back. Can we believe? What a throwback. <laughs> wow, Dark Patch, yeah. No. C- double colorless is, uh, that was a thing? Is it a thing again or? Don't remind me. <laughs> Maybe someday. But not anytime soon. So double colorless was, I remember the day when, the, the day that came that that was rotated out and how much of a huge deal that was. Because double colorless has existed since the first set. It has always yep. been printed in the TCG. It always was part of every single meta. It was one of those cards like Potion. We just thought it was going to be there forever. And then Pokemon said, no. We're taking this away now. We're doing some big changes. We're having big old restructure. changes. <laughs> We're restructuring the company. There's going to be some big changes coming down the pipe. <laughs> it's more balanced today, I think. I do it think is. That it was. Uh, it's like I think they were able to, thanks to rotations. Like obviously, they can um, kind of. It's like raising a bonsai. You can kind of control what grows and what doesn't. You know, right? So it's just exactly how you want, and I think it's basically how they want it at yeah. this point. Things seem to be more archetype-specific uh, now, you know? And that's a, a common thing that they've done, is to give archetype-specific support, like Rapid Strike, for instance. Because during Sun and Moon, there was a lot of support for Ultra Beast, you know? Mm, and yeah. you could build, like, an, oh, a yeah. Beast Box yes. deck, right? And now it's like, oh, you can make all sorts of decks with Rapid Strike <laughs> support, you know? Yeah. And instead of there just being a universally good... Double colorless energy for all. It's like, well, get the really good stuff from something that can get you really good stuff. Right. And I understand their point with the double colorless energy. And it was the fact that when a Pokemon was released, everyone would look at the energy cost. And if it had a specific energy and a colorless energy, or if it had two colorless energy, it was automatically assumed that that card was just better. Because it could work with double colorless energy. And again, we're talking about the speed of things and how fast you can get those cards ready. And double colorless energy would make cards faster. The problem is, it wasn't universal. Well, there's always been attacks, too, that add up all the energy on whether it's just you, you and your opponent, all of your Pokemon, right? Right. So getting two for one is just always, like, better. (laughs) Right. But in the case of double colorless energy, it would only benefit those cards that had that double colorless energy cost. So if the Pokemon didn't have that double colorless energy cost, it was automatically assumed to be a bad card because it couldn't work with double colorless energy. And Pokemon's attempt to just get rid of that requirement that the meta gamers had was to remove double colors. Okay, if you consistently are looking for Pokemon that could use double colorless energy because that's the meta and it has been since the founding of the game, then they removed it so Pokemon that cost three energy to be one, you know, one specific energy and two colorless wouldn't be able to set up faster than uh, one energy, one colorless card. So I understand from a revamping kind of point, point of view why they did that. It's just that it hurts so much because they didn't change the cards at the time. We still had so many Pokemon where, that were operating under that two colorless method that it just really hurt many players. But like always, things change. Yeah. There's often new solutions to different problems, or slightly changed, which I like. Like, uh, the new set has something that reminds me a lot of the bike. Y'all remember bike? Acrobike? Oh my god, who Oh, yes, yes. Well, now, yeah. So, like, now they have a new thing where you can kind of draw one, and it might discard something to draw the next one. Okay. So that reminded me. You know, they, they always, you know, reinterpret old problems, new solutions. Uh, retreat costs, right? There have often been archetypes that get around retreat costs in various ways. Right. Uh, there was the Floatstone plus Zoroark era. Y'all remember that one with the free oh retreat zone? Oh my god, Floatstone yes, yes. was so needed in almost every deck. And if you're even older than that, there was the Keldeo, right? Uh, yes, the Keldeo that would just jump in whenever you needed him to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with Floatstones. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's like, oh, reduce the retreat cost of a certain type. Or, like... There have always been different ways to solve problems, so double colorless energy has been solved in other ways. You have, like, the triple with certain limits. Exactly. They might have type-specific advantages that accelerate energy. Always has been, right? Whoever Mm -hmm. gets the best changes year to year. My goodness, fire for so long was just that engine. 
<laughs> yep. As we all know. Yes. It would literally burn through its energies. They had it coming. They waited a long time. Mm-hmm. Fire was yeah, not good for that. so long. <laughs> they deserved it. They had it coming. They had it they coming. They really did. They really did. <laughs> but yeah, I do like that even without double colorless energy, like there's still plenty of things that uh, are very fast and strong. So it's not the end all be all. Nothing is. I think that's what uh, the uh, rotations have proved is nothing is sacrosanct. Nothing. When a Joltik can just destroy anything in its way. That was great. That was great. Nothing's what it seems. <laughs> it was funny because at the time, uh, one dude, I remember when I came back to TCG, right? It was around blah, uh, the Phantom Forces, actually. It was around that time. And I went in with an Evolta deck, Evolta EX deck, which was, I thought it was like, I'm on it. Which is weak till electric is the only problem. (laughs) Right? I built the deck. I really didn't know about anything about Joltik because that was the most recent. And at the time I wasn't that, I mean, I was just getting into, but I didn't know all the matches. I just went online, searched the decks that I could see. And I uh, built the deck and I'm like, let's go to my first regional in so long because I hadn't gone to a regional in so long. So I went to the Seattle regional and played and i did good in my couple of first ones i'm like yeah evolta rocks and then i finally met night march and i was just blown away on how that deck operated i was just there in front of my opponent dumbfounded because this freaking 30 hp pokemon is destroying my legendary Valtals and getting two prizes every time like it was nothing Nothing, and I couldn't do anything to stop him at the time. It was just such an eye-opening <laughs> moment. There, like I do not know enough about this game, and I need to get better. And that's what jumped me in through this night march. Honestly, after that big old loss in night march, because I just thought at that point that Pokemon was just whoever has the most expensive card, the most rare, glossy, right? Evelta EX. That you know, the legendaries. Those are the ones that won. And night march showed me no. This game has depth. This game has so much depth that you can grab 30 HP Pokemons and win with it. And that projected me into going... Night yeah. March, a lot of the core was very, very cheap, right? It was like yeah. commons and uncommons. <laughs> yeah, and that's what launched me into what we are now today listening. And like a, a thick line of sh- of Shaman, to be fair. But the point is, a lot, the rest of it was cheap. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> Good time, man. The TCG has hot so many amazing times throughout the years and it has evolved so much um now there now we have a new game right i haven't even tried it yet how is that going the the new online game i honestly haven't played online in a, in a while i've played a few times um with friends in person but with covid like that fell through a lot it's honestly i've been like i've been keeping up and basically just observing <laughs> because of the whole COVID thing. I feel like that's what a lot of people have been doing. Oh, yeah. You know? For sure. Especially with prices, you know, there was yeah, a, yes. definitely an inventory shortage for quite a while. And we all know what happened. We all know. We all know. We don't yeah. need to go over it. We all live through it. Yep. Right. But that has definitely also been an, uh, one more thing to deal with when trying to get physical cards. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go over it. <laughs> we who can. Are these jerks. <laughs> who are these jerks buying all of the Pokemon cards so that all these prices skyrocket? They're just they're inflating it. They were inflating it so that they could sell it for more money. Yep. Just such trash. Yeah, it's not people who want to play the game, it's people looking to make a buck, which is a bomb. It is a bomb. It happens. It how ha- it skyrocket at the time of COVID, so it had to do with a lot of people losing their own work right losing their own jobs and having to you know what i had not even been thinking about that i was just thinking about me 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 but jashiro you brought me back down thank you so much you right (laughs) wait wait say that again what part uh the part that like it may have been driven by desperation for some people exactly like hard emotion uh economic time during the pandemic i mean we could i mean that could there i'm not saying that that's not a possibility that wasn't everybody, though. You're right. If I have if I have enough money to buy, like, just boxes after boxes after boxes, yeah, absolutely, I should be probably putting that money somewhere else. Yeah. If I'm really struggling that hard, but not crypto. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, I can't believe that's still a thing. That's so funny. Well, is it? Is it though? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not talking about like investing. I'm just saying, like, I mean, because those boxes. How much are those boxes? They're like they're like seventy five bucks, right? Or off oh, to a hundred something? Yeah. Yeah, like one twenty five to seventy five, depending on like whether like if it's brand new or whatever. Right. And yeah, I mean that's a that's a lot of money. You buy ten of those, you're spending more than a grand. Like. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. A hundred percent. I'm not saying there might not be somebody who was doing that, but I am saying, like, this is not, you know, the best way to do that, so... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If a grocery store suddenly gets looted, the loot happened, I mean, it could be driving because of poverty levels around that grocery st- uh, grocery shop where there's just not enough food for everyone, so you might think, hey, these poor people are starving. But the loot still happened, and that's understandable. And not everyone who was looting was starving, that's for sure. I remember the looting that happened early COVID, where this target was attacked and everyone was going in, and my hero there was the guy who was leaving with just the Lego Millennium Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> he was caught on camera. Everyone leaving with foods, big TVs, and stuff like that. And the guy just leaving with the Lego Millennium Falcon. <laughs> it was my hero, but but no, no priorities, right? I guess. Priorities. But back to the point is that yes, because of COVID, it did drove sales to incredibly high margin that people just couldn't keep up unless you had money. And uh, I remember when McDonald's had that promotion where they had some TCGs, and you couldn't get them because people would go freaking to uh, McDonald's and just buy all the cards because you could do that before that and they stopped it because of this. They stopped doing that and then they started buying like ridiculous amounts of Happy Meals. Yep, yep, yep. You know what I do got in my room right now is speaking of toys from McDonald's though, the gold <laughs> tins or was that, you know the gold yes, plate one? Yes, of course. Oh yes. Yes, yes I've got McDonald's. a gold plate Charizard in my office. Yep, I, I had the uh, Blastoise <laughs> I think it was. And the Pikachu, of course. I had, I think it was Poliwhirl. I loved the Poliwhirl. I don't know where it is. I should have one. I think I had Poliwhirl. Good old times. Good old times. Give, give us that, honestly. <laughs> give us more <laughs> of those. Then scalpers won't take them off. They won't be interested. Speaking of <laughs> of promotional weird cards and scalpers, y'all remember the uh, ancient Mew card? Oh, yeah, I oh, have yeah. it. It came with the DVD or the VHS, actually, but right. we're not going to age ourselves like that. Right, right. We don't got to talk about <laughs> Too that. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> so, funny story. So, when the movie came out in <laughs> in Japan, right? This was it was the Mewtwo one, yeah? The very first? Yeah. Before there was a thing called Wi-Fi. <laughs> exactly. Before the time where Wi-Fi, where internet was only through cable or the phone modem. My, my mom was always on top of technology, right? When we were growing up, we were among the first in my neighborhood that had a, a PC at home. We're talking about early 90s kids, or mid-90s, I should say. And uh, by the time a movie came out, right, in Japan, which was 2000? No, Pokemon 2000 came out in 2000. Uh, I would say it's 99, <laughs> I would say. So when that movie came out, and no way, it was for 2000 because that card was released for 2000. So sorry. So anyway, for in 2000, when that car was released in Japan, it was marketed online like, this is a super rare car, and you won't be able to find it anywhere, and it's ancient Mew, and blah, blah, blah. And I remember I got so excited for her, for it. And my mom uh, secretly bought it for me through online. And I had it. I was so proud of my ancient Mew, and I thought this card, and I think it cost her like 100 bucks to buy. And I was so proud when that card was... Damn it released in the US. I was so frustrated because all the value just poof disappeared. Now it's promotional in US and everyone could get one as long as they were available. And it's like the value dropped so hard. I was like, oh my God, this is, this sucks. But it is the nature of the TCG always. Well, you know, you can always, uh, um, take the hipster way out and say you got it before it was cool. Exactly. So, we need to talk about how friends don't let friends play fossils. We really do. (laughs) (laughs) Unless they have archaeologists. Come on. 
Yeah, you know what? They had some... <laughs> not all fossils, not all fossils uh, are in the same boat, but so yeah. many of them were. So many of them were. How many fossil decks did you try to run? Oh, sure. God. Uh, I know there was at least two. Yes. I don't even remember the details of all of them. I remember I had a Tyrantrum deck that I loved, but I've always tried to make fossils work for... If you guys have heard me recently in the main cast... Uh, I mentioned that my love for fossils has only grew as I grew older. I just love these fossil Pokemon. <laughs> as we become more and more like fossils. Exactly. Yeah, as you're co- becoming closer to becoming a fossil <laughs> yourself. <laughs> That's 100% right. As more as I become a fossil myself, I become more more uh, in love more with respect. these fossil Pokemons. Not the newest ones, not the Shiller and Shield ones. God, I hate those fossils, but no, the, the, yeah. the ones before those. Things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I've always tried to make him work in the TCG, but they have one severe problem for those at home that don't know, and that is that they depend on trainer cards to work because they come from fossils. So their basic Pokemon is always a fossil, and that, ladies and gentlemen, has a lot of issues because it makes them really slow. And that's been since Fossil Set, speaking yep. of, which was the third set. <laughs> it goes all the way to the the back of the history, you know? It goes all the way back 100%. to the start. 100%. And you couldn't really accelerate it because you had to put that fossil down and you had to treat it like a 30 HP Pokemon with no attacks, which was on your bench for a whole turn, just waiting to be sniped or dragged in by... Uh, uh, how you call it? Uh, oh, what was the Lysander? Dragged in by Lysander, dragged in by any other type of cards that would just allow you to switch your opponents. Uh, your 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 opponent lets your opponent switch your own deck, and then you would just couldn't get there. Now there have been some advantages, like uh, we have mentioned the archaeologist, which allows you to like fill your your um, bench with with uh, fossils, which makes it a little easier to get those stage ones and stage twos on them. But it's always been a hassle. Always been a hassle to play for poor fossils. It was always like darkly comedic to me that every time they came out with a new fossil that they wanted you to try to play, they had some new sort of gimmick, yeah. way gimmick. Yeah, to try and to try and make it just a little bit faster or make it seem like it was gonna work. Right. But it was never yeah. enough. And it was like it was it was so funny to me. Because I remember vividly, like, three, I want to say it was, like, within a year, or maybe two, three sets came out with fossils that had new mechanics, and Jashiro was all over them, like, no, 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 it's going to work this time, because <laughs> this thing's going to be be doing this, uh, and then it would just... I, I was so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Yeah. <laughs> you want something to work, you know? <laughs> yep. Yeah, and it would just... <laughs> It would just kind of fade like into non-existence, and then it'd be like, "Oh yeah, Jashiro, how's that deck working now?" And he's like, ah, "I'm not playing it anymore." <laughs> or something I was, like that. At that, t- at that point, I was already I was still streaming. Right, we had a a, a part of the TCG was streaming, and I, I would stream, and I would try my best to make those fossil decks, especially the 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 Tyrantrum one work, and uh, I, my win to lose ratio was horrible with that. <laughs> Even despite me trying so hard. So not only did it not make it work, I didn't make it work in public. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's actual record <laughs> of me losing desperately trying to make fossils yeah. work. I mean, I'm sure some a player better than me can make it work, but those players weren't doing it, which in and of itself was a sign, Jishiro. It was a sign. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel like they just didn't want to go through the heartbreak that you were playing right, yourself right. through. They got to the conclusion without having to go through the nightmare, <laughs> to the disappointment. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about the the clunk that happens like earlier with uh, uh, like new mechanics that they try and do. Mm-hmm. They still have not figured out a way to fix the fossil issue. Get rid of the fossil! <laughs> That's how you fix it. It's so easy, yet they don't want to. You know what? It's nice that in a format where, or a game where they keep changing things, like, oh, no double colorless, change what you ha- uh, supporters you have after having them for forever, you can still count on being able to say that friends don't let friends play fossils. <laughs> <laughs> that has remained, to this day, one of the most uh, solid rules that we can embrace in the TCG. <laughs> one day, guys, one day... We might have a Jurassic Park set. They come close sometimes, but we're not, you know. Yeah. 
Now well, we can only hope. They've had varying levels of uh, lack of success. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, I think we're going to tie a bow on this episode. Yay! Jashiro, thank you so much for coming on today and reliving the uh, the past experiences. Of course. Uh, I want to say, uh, Basket, great work you've been doing with the TCG. I'm glad that I left the TCG in your hands. And uh, I really love what you've been doing. And here's to another 100 episodes. All right. <laughs> to another 100. Sublime, thank you so much for helping me out today, man. Of course. Oh, I love you both so much. So glad we could do this. <laughs> yes. Good old times. All right. And to everyone listening, thank you so much. You guys are the reason why we do this. Please, please, please stay safe, mm-hmm. be safe, and enjoy the rest of your month. Mm-hmm.